Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotter. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio hotter. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to yet another episode of Radio Hot Lap. This is another Christmas New Year special. Not quite sure which one it is. Halfway between the Christmas and the New Year. And today we've really gone out on the limb. This is a real test for Radio Hot Lap. It's a, a real conversation. It's certainly not an interview as you're going to find out this today. It gets very, very complex. We've added in two features which I know very little about. More women and rally driving. And with <laughs> us today we have two women... In fact, I have to say, well, I don't have to, but I think I will anyway, two ex-girlfriends, one that I nearly <laughs> married, one that I haven't asked yet. <laughs> and there's not, she's a lucky one. Yeah. <laughs> we won't say who's waiting and who isn't. <laughs> and joining us today is the uh, current, the 2005 Australian rally champion co-driver, Dale Musket. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, good, mate. Have a beer. What, in fact, what sort of beer are you having? I'm having a Budweiser actually. Uh, just to start off, give everyone a bit of an idea. I was in China a week ago, and their beer is about twelve percent. So I found Budweiser because that's a little bit easier to drink. So I'm more than happy to have one of these with you guys. What sort of beer did you have in China? What do they have? Um, it's called Pidju. That's basically how they describe beer. So if you ask for a Pidju, they get you whatever the local beer is, and, and most of it's sort of between twelve and thirteen percent. So. Um, you have a couple of them and before and you know it's caught up on you. And there we were, I was having a conversation with someone just this week about saying, well, what is it with Asians don't they drink? Are they just pill poppers or what? Oh, I think they're a bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having today, Linda? Yeah, thanks for uh, saying hello, Linda. How are you? That's okay. Not a problem. I am sitting here Linda myself. and Chrissy. Yes. I'm having a Budweiser as well. That was my beer of choice today because I like them and I have great memories of America with my buds. And it's free. That is true too, yes. Yes, it is free this week. What about you, Christine? Are you having a beer? No, no, not yet. Your, Christine's got to nip off down to the beach for a sec to rescue some small children that could be in, in the uh, hands of rioters, uh, <laughs> even though we are on the north side of the, of the city. It, we it have. Is. We've That's moved right. today, haven't no we? No riffraff here. No riffraff here, but could be rioters, and I can see she's stressing. So, as a segue, you'll be disappearing off and then you'll be coming be back. And I'll be back later. To join me while I enjoy a <laughs> yeah, Cooper's Pale Ale. Oh, I could? Okay. All right. Thanks, Well, Glenn. you can catch up when you get back, Chrissy. Okay. Well, Linda, as usual, women take over the show. It's over to you because there's not a lot I know about rallying. I mean, I'm learning. We did have a we did have a great show last week with you with yourself and, and Rick Shaw. We did. So, um, please, uh, like, like, take over. But just before I, I do, I'll just give yeah. the give the give the viewers. I thought they listeners. I thought no, they're, they're, they're only listeners when we do video. They're viewers when we do radio. This totally confuses me. Uh, I thought they were viewers when they only videoed and listened. No, watched, no, it's the other way around. No, listen. viewers when radio, just to confuse okay. them. Okay. Just mm-hmm. a few, um, few uh, statistics which have come up this week, uh, thanks to my uh, trusty Sydney-based PA. And I should, should mention that we are in Sydney on the on the northern beaches. Yes, yeah, the, the non-writing side of the we're northern on the beaches. Lovely Monavale Beach today. And uh, the uh, the Radio Hotlap show in now its eleventh episode has um, been consistently rated in the top hundred, but 
has uh, been reached number four on the Australian podcast sports charts. Um, only to be beaten, the number one is World Soccer Daily from the US, yeah. and uh, followed by the AFL Show mm-hmm. and ESPN Radio. So That's right. It actually bumped out ESPN the other day for a day and jumped up to third. I don't know if you noticed that two days ago. <laughs> someone obviously tripped over the power. Yes, somebody did. Enron, and it's and just it's given us been... another bump up in the spot, but that's awesome news, isn't it? So it goes to show people are actually listening. <laughs> I think we're in double digits. Oh, how good <laughs> in <are> the thousands. <laughs> tell us. So I'd like you, you talk to Dale and, uh, and tell him what's what's going on and just well bring the, bring, the, bring really the viewers up to speed on well, rallying. Yeah, well, what's happening in rallying? What's happening in motorsport this week? Not a damn lot, actually, is there? I mean, we're lucky. Actually, I had Dale pop over this afternoon to see me because um, I disappeared off the face of the earth for a while and. I think he thought she was, where is she? So he's popped over to see me and I've dragged him over here to Montevale now so that he can sit down and have a chat with us. So Dale, you can tell us, how was your year this year? Like, hello. It was hectic. That's <laughs> the one way to describe it. It was uh, 19 rallies, which a couple of years ago I also did 19 rallies, so it's it's a pretty hectic schedule. But obviously this year with Subaru Rally Team Australia, um, so... Uh, that's our biggest or has been the biggest domestic manufacturer backed uh, team in the country so uh, it's a big step to go and do rallies with them I did I think it was 13 rallies with Cody which was Subaru Rally Team Australia three rallies in China and then also tried to ram in a few other events which was a tarmac rally Buller sprints and New South Wales state rallies etc etc so most of them were a week away from home or more so as you can guess, it was up near the 200 days away from home. And so. you've still got a girlfriend. Yep, apparently. My Mate, what's your frequent flyer status? <laughs> frequent flyer status is up to gold now. I'm pretty happy oh, about that. Oh, oh don't you hate that? that? Well, no, that's a good thing because now that I've used all my frequent flyer points, Dale can actually maybe You're get go me some of his. Yeah, I'm going to go sit next to Dale's, eh, honey? Funny story. Scare though. me over some points here. I was sitting in Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago on the way back. Had a bit of a holiday with the fiancé on the way home from a, a China rally. And we're sitting in the, the Qantas lounge there waiting for our flight. And they were like, repeatedly calling this guy. And and uh, I sort of knew what was going on. But obviously, he was getting the upgrade. And there was a bloke only two people away from me asleep on the lounge. And Selena said to me, we should wake him up. That could be the guy that they're calling on the radio there. And I said, no, 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 let him sleep. And next minute, they called my name. We got a um, business-grade upgrade for the way home from Hong Kong. So. Oh, you got to do that. Now he'd let people sleep. If he was having a nice, calm, peaceful sleep, so I thought we'd let him sleep and got an upgrade. So, so you were actually watching him at check-in, weren't you, at business class? You pinpointed <laughs> this guy at business going, right, let's just dose him up, let him go to sleep, and we'll get a free upgrade. That's it. When you have more longer-distance rallies, or, or rather flyaway rallies like the Western Australian event and yep. in China, you don't get flown business class? No. I thought it would have been an optimum... Procedure for you to be as enough, possible. enough, it's probably not sharing a secret here, but if you work for Subaru and you fly somewhere, you fly business class. If you work for Subaru Rally Team, it's economy, unfortunately. Is Subaru Rally Team an outsourced operation? It, it is. It's all it's all under an umbrella and basically Possum Born Motorsport, which is obviously started and, and run by the late Possum Born in New Zealand. That team builds the cars, maintains the cars. Probably more than 50% of the guys come from New Zealand to service our cars at every event. Um, so they're the best guys in the world for Group N cars, so that's that's why Subaru entrusts it with with Possum War Motorsport. So, yeah. as far as that's concerned, yeah, it is. It's like a satellite team basically, but um, obviously funded by Subaru Australia. 
But all the manufacturers are like that if you have a really good look, aren't they? Yeah. There's no one really where the, the factory team is actually building the cars and the mechanics and everyone on the crew is physically part of that yeah. manufacturer. They're all satellites Absolutely. under from another the, umbrella. Yep, from the top world guys down. I mean, pro drivers, everyone know hmm. with Subaru. Everyone has their little motorsport arm and that's pretty much how it's done. So, um, and they're just resourcing basically the best knowledge in the country or anywhere in the world. Absolutely, you come in and you, you know you pick their brains, use all their you know whatever, and then that's it. Yep. There's your team built that's up. It. And then these teams function like Possible Motorsport or ProDrive or any of those function by outsourcing or sourcing other work from outside of that manufacturer, and that covers some of the overheads. And obviously, then you can afford to do it a little bit cheaper than they would if they had to set up their own motorsport. Um, inside of that manufacturer so it's pretty much how it works yeah well Possum I mean really did show that to the world didn't he how he built built an amazing empire out of what he was doing ProDrive is a a good example that I've just read the the book on David Richards and and how he began and started and sort of thrived into building ProDrive into what it is today I mean 24 hour Le Mans cars uh, the Bentley the new car that's out there in the GT category now talking about British touring cars, rally cars. He's been in absolutely everything. Um, came from being a, a measly little co-driver like us, Linda. Uh, would, yes! Would, would it be fair to say that... We could go on to do something interesting. Would it be fair to say that the Possum-born motorsport operation would be, like, uh, effectively looked at as a Southern Hemisphere-style operation of what ProDrive, but on a different Definitely. scale? Definitely. That's, that's certainly how it works. I mean, they build a lot of engines for people throughout the world but most of it is Asia Pacific region and the Middle East uh, it's quite easy for people up on in the northern hemisphere to access ProDrive and, and obviously they know exactly what they're doing with Subarus and throughout the world the way it's changed in the last few years most people are running Group N cars and if you're going to go to anyone for Group N it's either ProDrive or Possible Motorsport so I'm uh, certainly a, a very aware of the ProDrive operation and how they have, have, have worked over the years They've been instrumental in bringing um, television into the World Rally Championship through the um, what is it uh, International Sports Consortium, IAC, and the use of the clever technology through it, like Virtual Spectator. In fact, it was a couple of years ago that I actually was in dialogue with with Prodrive whether I was actually going to go over and do some stuff for them in the technical space, but they probably didn't want to pay the business class airfare. But nonetheless, <laughs> I did end up going over to uh, to Europe and with the Panos organisation, and there I was at Le Mans uh, 2002 with Don Panos. In the in the garage, and right next to us was uh, not dropping the, any names. Well, where was well, this? Right next to us, there and in our next garage was the ProDrive team, and uh, Ricard Rydell was in the Ferrari uh, 550 Marinella that was built by ProDrive, which un- unfortunately did end up going up in flames. But it uh. really, I, I mean, it really was a state of the art machine there. Nothing. To um, and you just looked inside; there was just nothing to be seen. There was just carbon fibre and a steering wheel and a couple of pedals. You know, just, it, was just, uh, it was just beautifully built. Oh, it's the unbelievable craftsmanship. That car is actually. Um, paid for or the, the funding for the development of that car was paid for by a guy called Frederick Dorr who's ah, yes. a he's very a very rich magnet, shipping magnate yes. absolutely and uh, he's been in rallying and running Subarus for a number of years and, and sort of gave Subaru all of his work and said look I'm off busy here making money in my shipping you build me a car I want to rock up to a rally and, and just drive the thing started doing that in circuit racing as well found the car that he wanted wasn't good enough so he went to ProDrive and said, I want this Ferrari built into something special, and away they went. So, mm. But then when you own 20 Super Tank, because I suppose you can hang up ProDrive and ask them to build you... 
Well, Basically the best while you're busy at your desk. Well, that's exactly what has happened, you know, in the case of Aston Martin, where they've gone to ProDrive and asked them, can you build us like a, a car which is capable of winning Le Mans in the GT program? And as you're well aware of my involvement with Alan Simonson and the, right. uh, and the Aston Martin the customer GT car program, which is going on next year, it very much looks like um, that that'll be going ahead. We'll, we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time when we're over in the, at, at Autosport in the UK. Um, right, and, yeah. and, and talking to the Aston Martin guys there, but David Richards had gone on record in the last week of saying that next year, or 2006, we're really focusing on customer cars. We're not going to be like so much on our factory prototypes that's and right. developments. Yeah. Well, um, that's exciting for everyone out there because it, it, the more out there, the better it is. A couple of manufacturers is great, but when it starts filtering down into the, the general public and the motorsport enthusiasts and, and guys like Frederick Dorr and people like that, you know, they've got the money to spend and there's more people out there getting to experience yep. what those vehicles can do. Yeah, and then it filters down eventually over the years to the young kids because yep. look at these little whippersnappers now, they just annoy me. They do. I mean, hang on. No, you think about it. When I started off... They are the future. Yes, I know they're the future and I know I'm getting old. But you, you when I started off, we're little. talking, you know, the old... Uh, well, okay, I'm vertically challenged, as we all know. And for those who don't know, I am vertic very vertically challenged. But there's an uh, you know, positives challenge. to that. And a weight challenge we discussed this last week. But we won't discuss that this week, even though it's after Christmas. And I still this haven't got a weight. This is a G-rated show, Linda. It is a G-rated show. But getting back... <laughs> Look, I've lost my train of thought now, you bugger. I'm just going to totally ignore that, and I'm going on to what I have discovered Please. I'm sure now. we'll come back to it. But just one final little thing I was just going to say on ProDrive is I yep. think that ProDrive have established their brand entity very, oh, very strongly, well, and they don't really need to keep producing product under the ProDrive mark, yep. whereas people know, hey, you want this car to go well. It may be badge engineered, yep. um, as uh, as uh, Bentley had come to Audi and had a rebadged version of the R8 with but a roof on it. Do you think that the manufacturers to, are prostituting to, themselves in the way that they are all swapping round? You remember that we're all in, on the inside of the sport. We understand mm. much more the intricacies of it, but, but the dear listeners out there... Viewers. Viewers. So I'm sorry, you're <laughs> so, not uh, listeners, uh, even the, though you're listening. Really, they, uh, you know, they, they're probably not aware of, of, of how that all works. And generally speaking, it's, um, it's not effective for manufacturers to just go straight into race programs because there's just, you know, just the logistics of getting vehicles and people into hotels and feeding people. It's just as challenging as getting a car around a track. Oh, it is. It is. It's, it's sometimes and it's actually easier Dale. getting the bloody car it, around it, the just track. Just finding someone who's happy enough to fly economy class. <laughs> Well, we go to China and, and the team up in China that we compete with flies business class up to China. So, Dad, just tell everyone, the, <laughs> the viewers out there, just explain economy. to the viewers who don't, you know, like not everyone's up on rallying, most of the people are up on V8s and whatever. Just exactly what championships did you compete in this year, Dale? I started off Name with Mount... the championships. Well, I started off with Mount Buller in January. Obviously, you're at that event. And I me won't, too. We won't go into that because you beat me, so we won't go into that As in I great do, depth. But anyway, we won't go into But then we kicked off into obviously getting the Guernsey with Subaru. One of the things that I stressed I would still like to be able to compete with other people. Um, there's a young guy that lives down on the south coast. It's actually a rally family, the Croker family. Kelvin Croker's the middle brother, uh, and I grew up rallying with his older brother and we sort of went through rallying and I taught him pace noting and some things like that earlier on so Kelvin's now coming up through the ranks and I decided that I'd give him a hand this year so I also competed in the New South Wales State Championship with him 
which we won a couple of rounds, which is great. It's his first ever rally win, so quite exciting to be involved in that. Then we did the Australian Rally Championship, did two rounds of the Asia Pacific Rally Championship, did uh, three rounds of the World Rally Championship, New Zealand, Japan and Australia, uh, and also three rounds of the Chinese National Championship. So it uh, was a pretty full-on year and sort of spreading yourself around. The biggest problem with that is nearly every one of those championships had a different set of regulations. And yeah, which is a you, pain in the eye, isn't it? As you know, as a driver, not the end of the world, no, but as a co-driver, that's part of our job and we have to be up with where you can be, where you can't be, what your penalties are, etc., etc., etc. So it's a big job just staying on top of that. It is swapping around between championships, mm. but you did brilliantly and you've just basically aced all of them. So Is it a full-time job? Good. It was this year, I can tell you. I tried tried to make it not a full-time job in years gone by and started working for myself um, electrician by trade and tried to work in amongst what I was doing and there's there's two things obviously I don't think I put enough effort in or couldn't put enough effort in between events to be able to do my job properly and thoroughly so made it a full-time thing this year fitting all the rounds in and um, it came off this year obviously like 12 rally wins is exceptional I don't you know, I sort of wonder whether it's gone and when I'm ever going to experience another year as successful as that. But you know, it, it's another thing that that helps me now is I I know how much effort I put in this year, and I think my understanding of it is if I do that again, well, why won't the results come? So, you know, it's the same as anything. If you put in a hundred percent and you start getting rewards, it just sort of makes it all feel worthwhile, and you're happy to go and put that effort in again next time. So. Just keep plugging away. Mm. It's a very synergetic relationship, no doubt, that you have like completely with the team and, and with Cody. Yep. To be able to generate a result like that, it, it's, it's no specific person that, that, that's the, Absolutely. the key to it. Um, which was prompting me to ask you, do you test? At the start of the year, we didn't do a lot as in Subaru testing, but Cody and I were a new partnership and, and everyone thought that that might have been a weakness. I know Simon at Toyota and and a few of the other teams thought that it may have been a weakness that Cody being a two-time champion and, and the current champion had to come in now with all these new things, a new car, a new co-driver, and that may have been a, a disadvantage, but we worked so hard on, you know, I got all these videos and watched all the videos with the pace notes, read them to myself, just spent so much time between in the off-season sort of making sure that I was up to speed and even to the point of trying to pronounce things like his old co-driver Greg had. So that's sort of how much effort went into it. And I think a lot of the other guys probably sat in the off-season and concentrated on the car and maybe not on the partnership in the car. And when it came to the start of the year, we were already up and going. We went to China and competed over there, which for us is a form of testing. So basically, once we got to Canberra, we had done China together, which was about 200 competitive Ks. New Zealand's 400 competitive Ks. So we'd theoretically done three events together already's worth of kilometres and all the other guys in Australia were starting off as Canberra being their first event so uh, as far as that's concerned I think you sort of hit the ground running and and if you can't do testing try and do some events do anything to just get your bum in the seat and make sure that you're um you know familiar with how everything works it just sort of comes as second nature then one of the things is I've always wondered about the, the high end of rallying and especially from what I've seen on TV is that why is, why does the, the TV crews give all the driver the attention and the co-driver looks like he's sitting down there writing notes like a newsreader when they're about to go to an ad break? 
something's really going on at that Pretty moment. lucky in Australia. We actually, still, we actually still get our name on the car yeah, in the world. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, but in like an eight point. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's not right. No, it's not. Oh, why why do you think that is? Because I think it has to change. I mean, because other than, I mean, you don't have the round thing in your hand, but other than... You know, um, if you were to leave it to uh, to the driver on its own, you'd need a couple of Budweisers and a pale ale to get that second ale out. There's a couple of reasons, I think. I mean, as well, on an event, we don't have time to spend on all the media stuff between stages and things like that. Like, once we do the recce, we go off and tidy up all our pace notes and our drivers will go off and do an interview or might go to a dealership launch or something like that if you're in a factory team or, you know, some sort of PR dinner. Co-drivers normally at home tidying up the pace notes and, and looking after that side of the car. And the same between stages, we'll get out during a, during a service and st- head straight into the camper van or whatever you've got you know, in your facility to sit down and, and make sure you're familiar with the next section that's coming up. Well, the driver just sits there and drives and gets told what to do the rest of the time. And not trying to be derogatory in any way, but he doesn't have to concentrate on those things when he's not in the car. A tyre yes. choice and some things like that, yep. And that's all talked about with the team and also talked about with the media. Whereas we've got to sort of duck off and do our own thing a lot of the time. So I'm glad in a way that it's like that because I don't think we'd have time to do it and you wouldn't be able to focus on what you're supposed to be focusing on. But in the same respect, obviously... Do you yeah. think you should be getting a little bit more limelight? Oh, look, there's always some resentment from the co-drivers and there's, the yeah, There is, isn't there? It just depends on the event and what you're doing yeah. and everything else. I mean, in some cases, definitely... We're never getting rally drivers a... on this show from now, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a co-driver. Everyone's got a different oh, opinion on it. Yeah, everyone Still does. Evans, that's it. I mean, the thing is, is the co-driver's the buffer. I mean, you're not just a person that's sitting in the car telling the driver, this is the corner goes here, this corner goes here. You're actually like a buffer between the co- the driver's going to tell you so much more in the car as to when things are actually happening than when they've finished that stage or how many of the stages gone back to the service part and they've got to debrief with the team manager. Now, nine times out of ten, you'll be in through a stage as you'll know, Dar, and they'll start saying things, won't yep. they? And yep. you are still calling your notes, looking where we're going, checking your plus writing down what they're saying. You get to the end, you discuss it with them. What you've basically done is taken what they've said, which could be mechanical or whatever, tyre choice, and you've broken it down into basic, very short form to get back to the radio and go, right, guys, we're coming in. This is what he wants. This is what he needs. Because as Dale and I both know, is that our job specifically is not one of just direction, but also directing the driver to his mental state as the best possible state that he can be in to put his performances 100%. That's what you've just brought up there, Linda, I think is one of the places where so many people go wrong. Any form of motorsport, the, the place, the, the, if you want to get some speed, you want that extra bit of speed, where do you go? Confidence. Everything is confidence-based. So if you're, not, if you're not happy with the car, you think it's understeering a bit or it's, it's, un, it's oversteering under brakes or whatever it happens to be, something puts you outside of your comfort zone, you're not comfortable and confident, mm. your time's just you lose go it. through the roof. Like everyone will, will just leave you, leave you for dead and it doesn't matter whether it's circuit racing, you know, mountain biking, any of these, any form of sport is all confidence. And motorsport, it's exaggerated because... You've got so many variables within our cars these days. If you're not confident and comfortable in your car, 
you'll get absolutely hammered by everyone else. And at the start of the stage, start of the rally, whatever it is, getting your driver in the right frame of mind, mm. the last person it comes down to is the co-driver. Yep. Because you're sitting in the car with them before the stage, you're their last point of contact before you nail off into the oblivion and hopefully not into the trees, but through the trees. <laughs> and that's what it is. Like, we'll sit at the start of the stage and we talked about all the different rallies I did this year and that was obviously with a whole heap of different drivers. Every one of those drivers, I have to adjust the way you go about getting them in their zone, their frame of mind, to go and attack those stages. So Cody's the sort of person that needs to be fired up a little bit, but not a lot. Lindy used to sit with Brett Middleton and, you know, I was on the team and Brett's clapping and come on, come on before a stage, you know. Some people, Hello, them, mate. some people fire themselves up like that. Other people want to sit there nice, quiet, quiet like sedate. Warwick. very exactly. quiet. Some people want a 30-second call, yeah. a 10-second call and count down. No other words to be said after the 30-second call. Mm. And if you can find what works for your driver... And going in, if you've been beaten on the previous stage, sitting there on the start line, and with 10 seconds to go, you think, I'll oh, just give him that last bit of encouragement, and you say, come on, let's try really hard in here. My theory on that is he's going to think, what, who the hell are you, what, you think I'm not trying? Yeah, what was I, what yeah. have I been playing around till now? Yeah. So you can actually be really counterproductive in the way you go about trying to fire your driver up, and he can sit there and think, well, what are you doing over there? You're only reading a freaking book. Yeah, you've really got so, to know the idiosyncrasies, well, don't do, you? do you think that Giggy Garley got any, any <laughs> out of it after a little bit of a slap in the face to his co-driver? What happened well, there? I don't that know. That was a nice bitch slap, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've never yeah. done that. I've never, I've, I've never been that. What are the rules about slapping? Well, I think that's an in-car thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I thought that was a good one, personally. I thought the comment was excellent. I don't know what no, you No, I didn't hear it. Did you hear the translation? No. What did, was the I spoke to it? someone about it. Basically, it was a repeated stage. So they finished the stage the second time through. In mm. World Rally Championship. Mm. Which event was it? New Zealand's World Championship round. And obviously what happens in New Zealand, the road gets swept. So normally your second pass is a lot quicker than your first mm. pass. So they get through the stage and straight away... Um, What's his co-driver's name? Oh, don't ask him, eh? The slapper. The slapper. He, uh, <laughs> he um, looks at the time. I don't know. I can't pronounce half the names. adds it up to the first time and realises that it's actually slower than their first pass through. So Gigi says, what's our time there? And he says, it's too slow. And before he can get the next bit out, Gigi leans across and bitch slaps him. Whoa. <laughs> and what he meant was, no, it's... It's too slow. It's not faster than our first run. So by then, he hadn't even seen the times of the other cars on the stage. He just knew that it was slower than their first pass, and he got a hit for it. Look, it wasn't a European throwing my hands up. And I can tell you that because I was at the gym and I went, "It could have been a bit of an expression." You know, yes, they are emotional. I mean, Gigi Gigi apologised for it to the world media and all that sort of thing, and obviously. Did he apologise for his co-driver? Well, of the world media. He, he would, they've actually split now. <gasps> uh, a under, divorce. Yeah, there's been oh, a divorce. But, uh, it happens in rallying. It was one it's of like a marriage things. when you're in there, isn't it? But it's exciting. That's what the viewers want to see. And it's it's the viewers want like, to hear I can relate well. to this from a male-female point of view because it is like a marriage. Yep. You and know. there's emotion involved. And yeah. look, I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone says. There you is emotion know. involved, and it's different. I mean, I'm sorry, it's different from a female point of view. What are you smoking over there? <laughs> I would like to know, because <clears throat> I'm not a guy, as we know, um, what's, what is it like 
from a male male perspective. Okay, male co-driver, male driver. Okay, you, you can see the mateship, but then I have that with all the drivers that I've ever sat next to anyway, this great mateship. You know, yep. we can all go out for a drink and whatever else. Yep. da 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 you don't get the hots for the other half of the car, do you? <laughs> I haven't had that. Oh. Please, let's not go down that road. Somebody let me know. Let's move on to your what's happening in Oh, God, they've got me on a spot here again. I don't know what they're talking about, and I hate this shit when they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, okay. What what we can talk about, an interesting factor, is we have this wonderful yellow line that I'm staring at, which is viewers. It is. My voice has gone up because I got a bit excited then, or upset, or whatever. There's a poll, actually, at the moment. If you go to crash.net, an amazing site which tells you all sorts of motorsport info. There's actually an interesting poll at the moment about what championship is going to be the most entertaining in 2006. And Dale, what do you think? Wow. Yeah. Um, Can you give me a guess. What do you think is going to be the most for you? Worldwide? Yeah, worldwide. I think motorsport, we're talking bikes, cars, really? NASCAR, okay. you know, IRL. Yep. What do you think is going to be the most entertaining to watch? Well, at the moment, there seems to be all of the championships have mm. been taken over by one entity. Mm-hmm. Alonso, obviously, in Formula One this year. Valentino Rossi, unbelievable for the past how many years, but oh, know, absolutely dominating that. Sebastian Loeb's doing the same uh, in the Rally Championship. Mm-hmm. And you think about all these different sorts of championships and you say, well, you know, what could happen? The, the championships with the biggest changes over the off-season are the ones that are going to be exciting, at least for the start of the year. So who do so, you pick? Pick one. I think, I think rallying's been turned on its head. It has, hasn't it? In the, in the off-season. I think the World Rally Championship's got as many changes as when Formula One went to groove tyres and less wing and things like that. And at the start of the year, no one knew who was going to win the first race. I don't think we know who's going to win the first stage no, in the World Rally Championship. with the manufacturers. Absolutely. Year, so I yeah. think I think the rallying's going to be very exciting to watch. But also, everyone's getting frustrated in those other championships. Who isn't going to be prepared to put it all on the line in MotoGP to try and mm. beat Rossi? So there's there's got to be people getting more desperate. And the more desperate you get, the more action you get. Yeah. So. John? Well, I think that the answer to that has to be relevant to, like, related to the amount of television coverage that the various nations get. Yeah. So I'm going yep. to try and think globally on it mm. as opposed to just what we see here. And I'm not particularly an open wheeler fan because I suppose, well, I am, but I'm not. You know, like, it's just like everyone's become processional to some extent. Okay, so we had the more interesting season. Well, it couldn't have got any less interesting, but um, for a while, if I was going to pick something, I'll go out on a limb, I'm going to say IRL because um, it uh, has, like, you know, nothing happens small time when there's a bit of an off. And whilst you could sort of say, hey, um, you know, they only turn left. That's not the case because they have um, now gone to one of the, the tracks in Canada uh, that they used to run um, F1 there earlier, late late in the season, and the cars actually did turn right. That's right, yeah. And um, damn, if I can remember what it is. Not Montreal. Um, but uh, they, I was listening Montreal. to the Indy Racing Weekly podcast. I think it is Montreal. It was one of those, uh, Watkins Glen. It was oh, Watkins Glen, you know, which yep. is sort of north, I think right north of New York. Sort of. And uh, they had said... The, the, the American um, podcasting guys have been going, oh, you've got to come and see this spectacle like they're turning the other <coughs> way in something you've never seen before. Like they have never seen any form of like open wheelers drive yep. around. Mm. And, um, you know, wells, we know that the cart goes to places like Road, Road America, which is a beautiful track in Wisconsin. So um, I think, you know, that would be my pick simply because they run, you know, 
very, very high speeds, very close together, and things happen big time. Enormous average speeds, aren't they? Mm. Well, it's interesting, actually, because you're both wrong. Well, we knew that. Because <laughs> we just didn't even get a line If I knew that is, was what your homework quite, over there was about, This is quite peaked. an amazing results, actually, because when you look at it, um, I've got the results here, and this is actually just as of today, and they're polling until the 3rd of January, so it'll be interesting to see on the 3rd we of January the actual final. We can get on and change that to what we said. Yeah, everyone's going to get on, on there. That's on the RadioHotLake.com website, is it? No, it's not, but it can be. It can be a link to the crash.net website, which will go from radiohotline.com. Well, we're doing it because oh, I've got to tell you where it's but we're doing it anyway because whatever. And the most popular thing, the championship that people are saying is going to be the most entertaining by a staggering, and this is staggering, 43% MotoGP. And coming second in it to approximately 12% is, or 13% is Formula One. Wow. Then... And this surprised me. World Superbikes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like IRL is up there. There's about a seven percent for IRL, and Huge. World Rally Championships around seven percent, and everybody else. And we're talking British Superbikes. Crashnet. You know, where's where's Crashnet hosted uh, from? UK. It's UK. But it's, it's made, very. It's so a they, huge. They site. actually um, they are in the industrial complex at at Silverstone. Yep. And they are the producers of the the. the, the hmm. So Publishers of autocourse. Course. What you said before with the television coverage and the media is probably relevant to this too. I mean, oh, it is, of course. But again, you know, you're going to be watching just it. grown strength yeah. and strength it worldwide, has. but obviously in the But UK they've actually as well. even got the V8 supercars on here as a voting option, well, they, uh, yes, which they, surprised me, and it doesn't even register. Hmm. So well, I don't know small, what to say about that. Pretty small population down here. Well, that's it. Maybe we haven't gone global as we well, think. I Even though it is going global, maybe it hasn't gone well, as global. I think global. if you did a, a percentage of manufacturers around the world of cars, you would find that Ferrari would also be under 1%. Okay. Well, there's the so cost of them. No wonder. Um, I, I don't have one. Just uh, seeing you're on the international uh, sports at the moment. And oh, there's just, lots going on in There is a little bit of international stuff coming, coming up, but going on. And in fact, there's been a bit of a well, silly season. There's been a little bit of silly nonsense going on that apparently Alonso is going to go to McLaren even though he has actually like done a deal. I know, and I was with, going to say with, that last with, week, with but Ferrari. we never got round to it. And no, I was but very there's been more. There's been don't slap me. Oh, Gigi. Ooh, driver, co-driver. Forgot. Look out, Gigi. <laughs> Guido. Guido. <laughs> Taking over the wheel. <laughs> like um, that, that, anyway, uh, that apparently um, that there's there's talk that Alonso is going to go to McLaren. So that leaves a, um, a space open there. But I thought that was actually not talk, but a signed deal. Well, seven. who knows? But uh, in the same breath, Raikkonen has, looked, has been linked to Toyota mm. um, and for 100 million euro to go for a five-year uh, contract, the is team Toyota boss... Is that a hundred million euro a year? Or is that over five, over five years? years? So you need a manager. Well, he definitely needs a manager. I thinking, and, I wonder if he needs PA. Let me tell you, you need a better website. <laughs> and a better PA, sport. trust me. <laughs> Stop interrupting. That, um, that, mm. Sorry, just. Yes, it's all right, that, I'm leaving. Just reminded me that bitch slap you just had, Linda slapping. Guido de Amor, that's Gigi Galli's co driver's name. I just. That slap reminded me. Sorry, Guido. Was it the same way that he slapped, do you think? Was, or was I a bit sort of it was harder? Or, or? It was similar. He didn't I'm have waiting. a helmet on, so I'll he probably could have hit him hard. Right? I remember it to be harder. <laughs> The, um, uh, yeah, the 100 million uh, euro over five wow. years. 
But that's a little bit strange because uh, with Alonso signed for Ferrari, uh, they, um, they're, uh, they're thinking, well, maybe they've got the whole story wrong. Uh, they got the, the driver wrong. They're meant to be talking about Ralph Schumacher, which means that um, there could be a seat at uh, Toyota available for someone else. Who knows? Look, yeah, you know, nice. I think they're just doing a bit of press. But well, I think they're just trying to get some interest because there's nothing happening. As you, where the rest of the motorsport world is asleep and the podcast is not delivering radio hot lap is there, cutting it to the is. bone, and the, oh, rest the ribeye the bone, to get to the meaty stories. <laughs> and like finding all the top drivers and co-drivers from um, this part of the world and beyond and, and China to come over here and have exactly. a little chat. Exactly. Okay, Linda, what? 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 Well, we're wondering what's going on in the world of motorsport, well, and it's silly season. And there's not a damn lot on, and everyone's talking crap about they might be going here and they're doing this and they're doing that. But what is actually really physically happening this Saturday is not Parry Dakar, Lisbon Dakar. Oh, really? Well, yes. it hasn't been called Parry for a while because they always well, started been... in the northern part of Africa. Well, they did, right? and then and well, no, it's already been Parry Dakar, Parry, Parry, oh, France. For those of you who are cultural waste Last year like, was um, Catalonia, I believe. Uh, last well, year it was, was TV, it was it? actually, uh, was it Granada or was it Barcelona last uh, year? Sorry, it was Barcelona. It was Barcelona, that's right, I do the, know yeah, something. On the, on, the, on the issue of, of females in sport, who was driving the tay rag that got stuck? Oh, oh, oh. Judith Hinesmith. That's right. She did all right, didn't she? Or was she got stuck in the rock? Judith's actually won the event Well, she has won the event. She's running again this year. She's actually car number 303. And she's running this year with the amazing team, the Volkswagen, with the Touregs. And they've got quite an amazing line-up this year because they've not only got you at her again. Robbie Gordon But they've actually... Well, we'll get them to Robbie Gordon and his his big-mouthing in a minute. Um, But we've actually got Mark Miller, who I don't... He's from the USA, so I'd say he's just the USA component. I don't know. No, no, you know, offence to Mark about that. He's come from bikes. Yeah, Yeah. and then we've got Bruno Sabi, who's French, and then we have Carlos Saints. Dear old Carlos. King Carlos. We know. God love him. And then we have De Villiers, who is being co-driven by Tina Thorner. Now, he's a South African guy, so it'll be interesting Another to see. Another girl. Another girl. And then Fabrizia Pons, who is co-driving for Yuta. So, I mean, she's an amazing woman, that one. What does Tina do when she's not driving? Ah, Tina. Tina, what does she do when she's not driving? Tina actually has a general store in Finland. And this is fact. Yeah, right. I got told this. And... If you ask Tina, well, what does the general store sell? Because, you know, it gets snowed in and it's pretty damn cold up there and they've got to supply everything for this little country town that she's in. And the so it's just a general town, store? Yeah, it? it's the corner general store where, yeah. you know, like the old days where you'd go and get everything and you yeah. say to Tina, well, what can you get from the store? And she goes, well, we have everything from cement to tampons. Is that right? That's fact. So <laughs> if you need something in Finland in this little corner very north and it's freezing cold, go what? to Tina's store and she'll have it all, girls and guys, if you need to do some concreting. I don't want to put two well. together there thinking that if you weren't to buy the, if you weren't to buy <laughs> oh the tampons... God. Oh, no. Oh, oh never mind. You get some shoes oh, well dear. away from all that's, those... That's those really those yucky. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be interesting. But the other interesting... Well, I'm ignoring that tampon comment, even though we're talking tampons. Um, all right, all the guys have turned off now. They're totally sick of throwing out the bathroom. Ooh, the no, interesting thing about like Dakar that. this year is, okay, we're changing it from you know, Lisbon this year's start, which will be interesting. Um, and they go across Portugal over into Spain to Malaga, which I've just spent two weeks in Malaga. It's an awesome place. And then I'll get the ferry from there. What are you doing in Malaga? I was having a great time with a girlfriend and a couple of friends just oh, doing tapas yeah. crawls every day for a $1.50 euro for a tapas and a beer. Cheaper than water. Water's two fifty a euro, so... 
I don't normally drink beer, but since I've come back from Spain, after drinking beer everywhere, and now I'm onto these beers every week, I'm a beer girl. So, but the interesting thing about DACA, as I was trying to say with the new regulations, is they've gone back to classic navigation. Now, what originally happened with DACA, it was all very GPS oriented. So your GPS coordinates, and you basically go one GPS coordinate to the next, Try to keep it on as much a straight line. You, you're allowed... You pretty much the, had a computer helping you along the way. That's it. And you had a five degree sort of... It was a five, seven degree radius. You know, you sort of could get out of the way of the GPS point that you had to get back on the route. Well, now it's different. We've gone back to road books where they are literally given calls saying, you know, 20 kilometres turn left at the, the you know, the tyre that's stuck in the ground or whatever they've got marks out there. They still have GPS waypoints. But they're more just to make sure that you are still on the straight and narrow if you do get lost off your road book. But it's gone back into traditional co-driving with the need for maps, the need for the road book, you know, your, your navigational equipment, not just a GPS, which I think is going to put a lot more strain I'd, on the co-drivers. I totally agree. You know, I've, there's a couple of people I know that are running in Dakar this year, actually, and, and that's a big, big talking mm. point between all of the crews this year is the fact that... Um, in the past, it's been speed and reliability. And your knowledge car can of get through. driving in sand and, and desert, isn't it? Now you've added a third element to it, and that you have to have the speed, you have to have the reliability, and you have to not be going the wrong way. Yeah, you've gone back into the cruise situation, haven't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yep. As it's all one-off. Yep. You certainly have to work as a team, and, and I think that will probably be a big thing this year. And a lot of these guys, um, a, a lot of the crews have actually changed their co-driver for this year as well now. A couple of these guys, especially in the factory cars, have added a, a bike specialist as their co-driver. Mm. So someone who's already worked on all the navigational stuff can help them with the, the driving and advice on dunes and things like that that you need to know. And is also very good with the car. So mm. you need three elements to be successful in, in Dakar. The number one bike uh, the aficionado there would have to be uh, Stefan uh, Peter Hansel, uh, who had ridden the uh, Mosley World Enduro Champion. Well, he's won it the last uh, couple of years. And uh, un- unfortunately, I had to race against him years ago, and I said, stood no hope. That's what but, people... Uh, actually, that's an interesting thing, just to aggressing very quickly as well. A lot of viewers, not listeners, would know about, would not know about is John. And John is oh, actually... Yeah. Oh, we don't want to talk about it. But John is actually an Enduro Motorcycle Champion. And, and, and it was Christine who used to bring out the lunches for me. Yes, who was Christine, who was beach, just here. Who was, uh, um, uh, obviously, Mr. I yes. lost the last race. And I was very good up until I fell off a balcony. And, uh, and she I remember that. That was at the engagement me. party. Fell off the balcony. No, right? I didn't fall off the balcony at the engagement party. I was embarrassed her at the engagement party. Oh, okay. I won't go there. I just remember it. And I, just, and I still whatever. can't listen to them or watch the video. Okay, whatever. But yes, John is actually <laughs> an enduro motorcycle back. champion. He still is damn good on a bike, scares the shit out of me. And it's put a damn good few scrapes on my scooter. And that's on the stand. Um, so that's telling you where it's been lent over. Whose scooter? Oh, we well, haven't paid for it yet. Well, have you serviced it? Yeah, it's going like shit. You haven't serviced it? <gasps> I swore. It. Oh, I'll tell you. That'll be it. Steve you Jobs what. will be on the phone. We'll get the explicit tag. will have to come up. I'm sorry. Steve, for other kids that are listening, do not swear. You're having so, you know, a disgusting mouth like mine. You've been engaged to one of these ladies, and you're fighting with the other one like an old married couple here. It's great, isn't it? Isn't it great? Just too familiar. It's family time. <laughs> John, I'm going to so, leave it to you because I've got to depart for a second. Back to Dakar. I'll be back in a minute. I'm okay. sure you and Dar can hold the fort with no women. I think you're right on the Dakar call. Like a lot of people have been pretty successful in going from bikes to cars, and and the one we spoke about earlier is Jutta Kleinsmith in the VW. She actually ran a BMW 
motorcycle in the Dakar event. So you that, think it's unusual to see a lady driving a, a car. Fleet. She was actually riding a bike as well. And, and very often in Dakar you see a couple of Japanese ladies will come over and, and come and compete in Dakar on a bike. And it's absolutely amazing to see them getting through. It's, um, Andy Caldercott's the Australian guy running a bike over there. Yes. I've had a chat to Andy and, and been lucky enough to sit on his bike at uh, Rally South Australia. He came down to see us. That's and, right, uh, running the Motor X KDM. Absolutely. And uh, dropped into his shop in Keith on the way to Mount Buller and chucked a couple of hot lap hats at his desk. He wasn't about, uh, around. I said, is he here? And he said, back next week. He said, be sunning himself on a beach in Tunisia somewhere. That's, that's an absolutely enormous bike. Yes. And it weighs a ton with fuel in it. It is so, so heavy compared to the normal sort of bike that uh, you'd probably feel uncomfortable riding in a dune in and you add all that weight to it. And it's a monumental task just sort of getting through those dunes. So anyone that's doing it competitively certainly needs a medal as far as I'm concerned because I have trouble just on a normal fire trail, let alone a, let alone a sand dune. So I don't think people really can actually appreciate what has to go in from a mental and physical and organisational point of view yep. to do an event like that and um, it's uh, the SBS provide brilliant coverage and I'm sure they'll be it's doing great, it again it? oh it's just it's one of those things that you just you just come home for every night um, I was I really was was there's not too many things that sort of move me in motorsport probably Ayrton Senna's death was one of those things but it was also the, the death of one of the uh, was, uh, very, very famous uh, 16 Giro riders um, in the, um, in the uh, event of 2005. Yeah. Yep. I can't no, think of his name just off the top of my head. I thought it was going to come to me as I dragged that sentence out. But, yep. uh, it's uh, Christmas. The brain yeah, goes a true. bit slow. Well, this year there's, there's 184 cars in the event, which is absolutely massive. It's three times the amount of cars we get in a normal rally here in Australia. Exactly. There's 252 idiots trying to compete in that event on bikes. I don't know how the hell they think they're going to get through, but for some reason, 252 people have been brave enough to enter on a motorcycle, and 75 smart people are coming up the rear in trucks. Now, so, that's interesting, the trucks, because I said this afternoon when we were discussing this, I said, oh, wouldn't it be wicked to do it in a truck? And we had Bruce Garland over, and Bruce is going, no, no, trust me, I've done it, I've done it, you don't want to be in a truck. Yep. So what's I think the a truck's deal? great. Well, there's three people. So if that More guy's fun, annoying party. you, you don't have to slap him like you have over here. No, what do they say, two's, a, two's company, three's party? There's always someone offside with three. There is, isn't there? If there's, if there's but if you put the third one in as a woman, then it's okay because you can balance the odds. Well, if there's a navigational area, you get to blame someone else as well. That's a great thing. That is, because co-drivers right. never have anyone well, to blame but themselves. Well, it's crap. When, when those trucks trip up, they, they trip up in a big Ooh, way, yeah. though, and there was a couple. Yeah, but Absolutely. they're pretty solid. So, I mean, it takes a hell of a lot before you're really hurt. It's one of the exciting bits of footage you see, though, is those two trucks side by side absolutely hammering tongs down the sand at 160 oh, k's an yes. hour jumping in the air side by side like that's got to be exciting they'd have they'd have to have a couple of feet of suspension on that thing, they have mm. got enormous mm. amount of like travel four islands a corner or something yeah. like that <laughs> something yeah. the uh the amount of travel is actually limited in the cars as to how much travel you can by have. technical by yeah, technical, technical rigs, yep. and um but those trucks are just out of this world so mm. there's a so guy tom colesell sorry co-drives in one of the trucks he's in the you'll always see the ulysses trucks mm. every year yeah and uh great. those guys are absolutely phenomenal they're running five trucks this year 
and uh, one of the guys competes all around the world. He's there from Belgium. Him and his brother drive and co-drive in a Lancer. And as I say, they compete all around the world in a rally car. And he goes back every year to navigate and compete in the Dakar because he said it's, there's just absolutely nothing like it. There's, if there's anything's a challenge, it's that event. And for those listening, Dale and I have actually got our hands up because that's one of our goals, isn't it? Absolutely. Is that right? Would you both like to be doing that? Oh, both of us. We've both said that's the ultimate for us is to do a Dakar. I just don't want to be pulling those metal trays out, you know, and that three days in and all looking good and then you've got that gnarly day of the sand hills and you've always got those... Well, you? that's all right because the co-driver and the driver go to the bivouac and lie on the nice Persian rugs and very true. Persian <laughs> rugs, <Very true. laughs> and the big hooker. I mean, the thing is, it's my original major, you know, goal in, in my life, and a lot of them I was very, very lucky to achieve. But my biggest one was the Safari Rally in um, Kenya. That yep. was the one I really wanted to do, and I, I got, I got that close. I seriously did. I had the, you know, the deal all wrapped up with Mitsubishi and with Ron Kremen, and it was all going to happen. And I was very excited, and he was as well. And then. Mitsubishi pulled the pin and then the rally went so there's no more rally so I what's know. your next challenge something totally different off road so let's go Dakar so I think Dale and I Dakar the, uh, the production of the TV that we see there is really quite amazing because they have a, a whole facility mm. which is travelling along with with the event running like a, just like basically an outside broadcast set yeah, up yeah but they're there. running like they're actually competing they are getting all the content coming in from uh, beaming up from uh, the cars to the helicopter and back down on high-speed UHF links, and they are producing them there on Apple Macintoshes with Final Cut Pro, Xserve, Xserve Rage, and then beaming it back into London through uh, Imasat to be able to get the content back out to the yeah, world well, because the delay is less than 12 hours. Yeah, well, they're, they're actually Amazing. advertising it at the moment on Fox. They're actually advertising Fox News. They're actually advertising every afternoon. There's a job. They've got a half an hour, or besides the job, which I'm applying for, they've actually got a half-hour program on Dakar every afternoon from this Saturday. That's amazing, isn't so it? So it'll be interesting to see. Well, actually, for the first time, really, we're going to be up to date because I looked on their website today, the Dakar website, and I'm sorry, guys, don't bother. Cool. There's no, it's useless. Well, moving on, we'll, we might come back to that, but because, because, the, because the viewers could get a bit bored, but we will come back to some more dirt action over there, Dale. <laughs> Max Mosley's dad, Sir Oswald Mosley, was named the worst British figure of the 20th century in the British History magazine the other day. How does that work? I don't know. I just worst. found out about that. The FIA boss, he just, there's one there for you, mate. But what, does, a, what does. The worst, the worst in what? The worst in motorsport or the worst British person? Did you get him the talent of beer or what? I got him a beer. It's there. That's oh, it. Thank you. Well, I don't know. But anyway, moving Sorry, right along from that, that's then. just telling you that anyway. Uh, I still like to know what it means by the worst UK oh, person. You know what? The Brits, they have a, they have a they award for nothing I'm in particular. Sorry, they're just whinging. For all the people in the UK listening, somebody that doesn't whinge, let us know. The town of Hockenheim's in a bit of trouble. Oh. Apparently, the circuit's gone uh, belly up financially, and the star, state of uh, the state of which is part of the state of Baden Baden Württemberg is going to come to the rescue for the next GP. So the mayor said die last Tuesday. So does that mean it's going from there? No, you're not. No, they're it's just, just a gonna... wind up to get some more cash in. Ah, uh, so they're money. doing the council yeah, crap like... of. Oh, isn't that sweet? Dale's gone and got me a beer after I got him a beer. Co-drivers, we still look after each other, mate. Always. Might have been a speed-up message. Oh, I'm too slow. I'm behind the eight ball. It's okay. Well, that's it. Ferrari's, uh, Ferrari's bailed out of Vodafone. Or is that the other way around? Vodafone's bailed out of so Ferrari. I think that's it's gone Vodafone to McLaren. Is that, is that no, right? I, I can't confirm I anything Ferrari at this stage. But uh, yeah. uh, 
the, the boss of Ferragos, his name Interesting. said that uh, he wasn't worried about the cashola at this point. So what else is happening? Well, moving on a little bit. Of, yeah, no, no, it's a little bit of tech. I wanted to just tell you that um, with the, uh, the, the that Apple Mac pilgrimage to San Francisco coming up in uh, only uh, just over a week's uh, a week's time, the tenth to the fourteenth. Mm. Do in, I qualify? Uh, by the way, Sorry. well, I Do did. I, I won a trip. Oh, are you a Mac? Are you a, are you a Mac guy or are you, are you an iPod user? user? If I get to go to the states. Um, anything you oh, want. did you hear that, Apple? Do you have we need a two Mac flights. or a heathen Business box? class, no. remember, he doesn't fly anything. No, I don't, unfortunately. What Can do I get you... one? Possibly. If I signed up now. JP. Do you have an iPod? No, I don't. Hey, are you going to listen to this? All right, go I'm ahead. Spare. He doesn't need an iPod to listen to this. You only need iTunes, viewers. And, but if you want to take it to the gym with you and just keep working out on the bike and getting frustrated at us, well, just buy yourself a little shuffle. Although, the rumour is that the shuffle is about to be replaced with something even better, much like the 4G iPod that was replaced with the 5G and the Mini with the Nano. So, I know you've got a Nano. No, you've got a new video iPod. Oh, well, I don't James, believe that's James being updated. James got the Nano, I've got the video, and Stuart's got the normal photo. Well, there you go. Uh, with the, the new... Uh, with the... With the the Macintosh pilgrimage comes some new machines. Always, Steve Jobs gets up on stage on the Tuesday morning. There, the uh, the boss of Apple and uh, the uh, owner of Pixar, who created all those it's wonderful very, movies like Toy Story. Very good. He is very good. I in saw his two hour um, uh, talk he did on um, when they released the iMac. He, he's very good at talking. And uh, generally, what's, uh, you will have to think about what's in his head because what's in his head usually comes to reality. He was um, named one of the most influential persons of the year in Time magazine. He didn't make the cover of Time, which was shared between Bill and Melinda Gates and the U2 frontman Bono. He's got dark hair. That's fine. Glasses. <laughs> I think that Steve's been on the cover of Time a few times. Now, so <laughs> he's like, and he's a, like, there's a, there's a bit, of, there's a few things going anyway, on. Anyway, moving on. But uh, yeah, then the new computers are well, well obviously. I think we're going to be seeing some new uh, iBooks and, and Power Mac Power Books, replacing the existing um, IBM chip-based uh, products um, with this new venture that Apple has gone into with Intel. And it looks like Intel's outsourced their uh, their production of, of the Power Books to one company called Quanta, and the iBook to another one, which is Asus Tech. Now, that that that's, that doesn't make much sense to me, but for those of you who are in the tech, you'll be able to sort of. Check that out a little bit more and send us an email and tell us if we're wrong, which we probably are. Um, and Intel has just announced that their new, they're up, upgrading their, their Pentium uh, D900 dual core, uh, D800 dual core, um, codenamed Presler, to the new uh, new chip moving to the 60 nanometer architecture, and which is probably what we're going to find in the new PowerBooks, which will mean longer battery life, greater performance, and less heat. Because at the moment they warm a small sized town, this which would have been handy we're in going China. At the moment, it's no good at the moment, but anyway. And We've got Christine back. A perfect moment for Christine to come back. She's, we're getting married or not? <laughs> 20 years later, he's still trying to work it out. <laughs> well, Christine, we're just going to have a little chat with Christine because Christine um, uh, was, was brought up in the conversation earlier and was credited significantly for for basically being responsible for me actually winning anything in, in dirt bike racing because mm. of her fantastic logistic organisational skills as and well as crewing. and pit crewing as mm. well as like get a piece before you go on the bike <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't was, crash uh, no wonder we're such good friends prior to balconies but Christine works at uh, ABC television at a, as, a, as a senior news editor 
What's going on in the land of uh, news editing? Have you gone digital yet? We went digital three years ago. Well, tell the viewers. Well, it's just all non-linear now. It's all PC-based editing on Avid equipment. Even though they're not sponsoring this program, I will give them a plug. Is that Mac-based Avid or PC-based? PC-based. You uh, weren't listening, John. Uh. <laughs> I tell you, it's still reminiscence 20 years ago. They're still arguing. <laughs> Anyway, yes. don't know. Explain this to, in layman's terms to the people like me who aren't, you know, literate with all of this. How does know, the news stuff? get put together? Yeah, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry dies. We go to the library, get footage. We get footage from the agencies. Someone writes a script. They voice it. We edit it and we put it to air. That's how motorsports done. How come it's the buildings are so big and there's so many people? It doesn't make any sense. It's so easy. <laughs> Government department. <laughs> Dale, what have you got for us, mate? What's, ne what's next? Um, Dale's all... He's going through my notes. No, no, this is unfair. No, no. I've done all the hard research and he's going through my notes. This is a couple of interesting things. We've got the... We've actually got the entry list out for the manufacturers for World Rally Championship next year. And it's actually, to me, it looks pretty sparse. I'm sorry. I mean, the regular names aren't there. and But what we do have is Cronus Total Citroen World Rally Team. Okay, so they're our sponsors. And Mitsubishi you've pulled out. Two, Mitsubishi two, pulled out. We've got two four. manufacturers have registered for the main championship. Mm. That's Subaru and Ford. Yep. What they've now allowed is an M1 and an M2. Manufacturers one, manufacturers two. So the lead guys have paid their big money and they're getting all their big coverage. And the other manufacturers can enter a privateer or a satellite team, kind of like we spoke about before. And they can enter the championship with a number of cars and still be eligible for some points. So they get the manufacturer's points. That's exactly that, it. Which is, you know, a bonus for the manufacturers. They're not basically funding it. The year of the privateer, mate. It is the year it. of the privateer. Absolutely. And it's really looking that way because, as we were saying, we've got, you know, Subaru World Rally Team and, and BP Ford World Rally Team. They're our main um, manufacturers. But then we've got Citroen, who have come in with Total Cronus. And then we have OMV, which is a you know, German oil company, and Peugeot from Norway. And it's actually called the Peugeot Norway team. Um, and then we've got a couple of satellite teams with Ford again, and then the Red Bull Skoda team. That's it. So potentially... That's it. If you can call them privateer teams. Yeah. Citroen is running a guy called Sebastian Loeb who won 10 of the 16 rounds last year. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awesome. Are they going to claim at the end of the year that a privateer team has won the World Rally Championship? No, that'll be interesting. Actually, that's a very good point, Dale, because that'll be very interesting. Amazing how the tables will turn. It's going to be very interesting to see how it's it's broadcast and also how which angles they, they head towards in explaining how it all works now and, and whether that is a factory team and... It's still paid for by the factory, mm. and they're giving significant funding to Cronus to run the team. So how are they going to spin this web on TV, and, and what are we all at home supposed to believe when it comes to who's running and who gets funding and, and which well, car's it. the best car and which guy's the best driver? So well, that's the thing is, is what a Subaru and Ford going to say? I mean, are they having to put in extra? Because we all know that it all boils down to what you put into your media coverage and everything else. Exactly. A Subaru and Ford putting in extra, but everyone else, because they're classified as satellite or privateer teams, are they putting in less? And then, okay, let's say, as you said, Sebastian Loeb comes up and does the job, which is very highly possible. Are they then going to turn around and go, well, hang on? You know, like Citroën's actually got a fully paid works driver and it's a full factory team. Absolutely. There's going to be a bit of an interesting... It's definitely one way of cost containment by co-branding with, uh, you know... 
maybe like-minded suppliers. And it probably, if you drill down into that, you'll probably find that Cronus is have some sort there's of, a, of relationship with, with the manufacturer. There's a similar thing going on here in Australia at the moment, and we probably shouldn't go into it in too big a detail because mm-hmm. it's only just been announced and we don't know all the details of it, but the similar thing is happening here. Subaru have pulled out. Uh, the manufacturers that are left then have to make up the shortfall, and no one's happy about more money having to come in and who's then eligible for what. It is a big debate, and when it comes down to money and business that's what rallying now is a business and it's the same in australia as is in the world and if someone feels they're not getting their value then uh that's when all the little problems start so hopefully the the world council have ironed out all those problems in writing these new regulations but there's a whole lot of new stuff for this year and let's just see whether it works i guess that's right and you know, if from a cost containment point of view, that this co-branding is 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 important and it works well, and you're seeing just like what we're doing here today, like to be able to have a conversation, deliver free through Apple's iTunes Music Store to people, um, and, and get you know distribution to you know over half a billion iTunes clients for people who have who have the interest to download the content. It's it's traditional, but but untraditional marketing. It's guerrilla marketing, I suppose. Um, where you're doing a lot with a little, and this the whole wall of media is breaking down. That from the, the the structures that we've seen it before, these empires and their their mechanisms of delivery have you know been a specific way. Whereas doing this, as you can see, it's very cheap and effective. And I think you're going to see a lot more of this sort of stuff been, been going along. Simply, you know, if you choose to say, hey, I don't like a Subaru, more than likely Subaru is going to send you a car out and go, here, please enjoy the experience, as opposed to saying, hey, well, you can't say that. Because you can say that. Because, we, you know, being a non-commercial arrangement, well, we're not we're not tied to anybody, but, you know, you give credit where credit's due. If the car's effective, you know, in, in the in the sport that we're, we're, we're scrutinising, well, we'll give it a plug. Mm. So if you're no good, like... Does that mean if we do well talking about these lovely Budweiser's I've been enjoying... Well, maybe, actually, you are in, you are in luck there because he's just <laughs> you are in luck I've there got because, him a beard. because uh, because Budweiser is actually distributed through Australia by Premium Beverages, which is significantly owned by um, uh, Coopers. They've done an exceptional job today. I can. They tell have you. done an exceptional job, and I'll be putting the bill into Glen Cooper because just happens to be. <laughs> Just happens to be having his favourite beer as well. Not to mention any names here, but Linda does like Budweiser's. But anyway, moving right along. A couple of launches coming up in the Formula One calendar. Only a few days away or two weeks away, uh, Toyota will be launching in uh, on the 14th, followed by BMW on the 16th, Honda on the 25th and Williams on the 27th. Uh, and the renamed Jordan team uh, Midland uh, F1 uh, on uh, f- uh, February 3. So and this then, all coincides with auto sports show, doesn't it? Oh well, no, it does. It, after it, or before? I, it's well, the, like the, the same Toyota day. show is obviously going to be in the yeah, that is the Saturday of the of the auto sports show. Mm. So they're you know that they're going to have to be probably based in England. But on the other hand, you know I've been in England at the NEC trade show before and, and been flown like on a moment's notice over to Cannes. Uh, the, because I was with someone who did. was buying a very large oh. piece of printing equipment. Oh, so uh, who knows, and we can be back for dinner. And I won the trip and I can't go. What about But we stayed in the red area. I've been to that autosport show before. That is sensational. Yes. One of the best trips I've ever had. It was absolutely... Same went on the trade day. Yes. Not as many people. Absolutely awesome. Thursday, Friday trade day. I cannot day. believe how much they fit into such a small space. And it's not a small space. Like anyone in Australia, it's bigger than the Sydney Motor Show. 
is in volume, but there's twice as much in there. Mm. So and you'll be doing the absolutely show awesome. there, Yes, we'll be doing a, a show on the Friday there. From and luckily now we've got uh, media access, so we'll be doing one from the media centre with Paul Ryan from uh, Multimatic. I'm jealous, but anyway, that's life. Oh, well, there's still time to buy a ticket. No, anyway, March not. 9, uh, Red Bull <laughs> is launching with their newly acquired uh, uh, Minardi yes. team, which has been named Toro Rosso. So they'll have four cars within their... Umbrella now, two teams, is that right? I, I would say so. I, I would say that would be how it would work. Mm. Um, yep. So Red know. Bull have basically covered themselves in every aspect of motorsport Well, now. Red Bull is like the global version of WPS. It sounds... Well, <laughs> I remember Red Bull years ago when I first <laughs> came across it in New Zealand and I was addicted to it. And I actually approached Red Bull a few times about sponsorship yep. in rallying because they said that their aim was extreme sports. And back then, this was 1998... And they didn't think rallying was enough of an extreme sport. If Gore and now what have we got? It's true. If he got Red into Bull's rallying, he would probably be up with Red Bull. Yes. If yeah. he got into rallying, if he's listening. Anyway, there you go. Christine, well, uh, I think we need to get you back into the line right here. Just... She's editing in the background, cleaning up all, all uh, miscellaneous uh, technical activities. McLaren and Ferrari, there's no date set for them, but that's no uh, surprise because they're obviously sort of uh, at each other's throats. It's funny that uh, the McLaren um, MP4 got uh, uh, the, the, the big thumbs up, and I really thought the Renault would have been the, the chassis of the year. Think so? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought it was probably the most, the, the bigger mover and shaker of the year. Oh, well, there you go. What else have you got, Linda? Got anything else? I haven't got anything else because we've already touched Dakar. We've gone through who isn't in the WRC, which is basically just about everyone. Well, the only the last thing I've really got on my list here is um, that uh, the International Six Day Enduro, uh, which uh, oh, I've yes. had the, the, the fun to play around with, is um, coming to New Zealand next year and it's going to be held at Lake Taupo on the 14th to the 19th of November. And um, we were going to have another uh, uh, person come along to the show, uh, Mark Nagler, but he, he, we couldn't make it because he just bought himself a new KDM, six, uh, KDM 300 two-stroke and he was playing with it in the garage a little bit early when I rang, but also couldn't decide whether he wanted to stay around and clean up those uh, crispy chicken bones that he'd had for Christmas. <laughs> So uh, we'll probably be going over there to uh, see that event. And the, for those who don't know, the International Six Day Enduro is basically the motorcycling version of, of, of car rallying. It is. But it's very difficult to get a TV crew into a, into a forest trail. In Europe, um, it's definitely a lot easier to do because the distances between the towns are certainly a lot yeah, more logistically. Yeah, southern hemisphere, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? And uh, over there, they're like rock stars. But here, uh, they're barely they're barely known at all. And we've actually had that um, the six day enduro, which is an international, held up at Cessnock. I know because I used to have a farm up there, and we used to go playing on the um, enduro road trails. You did back there in nineteen ninety two, and then it came back six years later to Taralgon in, in Victoria, and we ended up doing the final moto around the um, the, the the big. Uh, well, Tro Valley Power Station. There, it was oh, up up around the three thirty kV power cable and down past the uh, the smoking coal stack. Yeah, so don't don't get it off because you'll just get zapped. Don't get it off. Who knows? Steady We've had too on. many buds here. Okay, steading on. So, Dale, would you like to just uh, say uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on for two thousand and six for you? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I'm probably in the same boat as a lot of other people waiting to hear 
what some decisions will be within the manufacturers and, and other people. Just actually last night received the Chinese calendar for next year, which means... You can't read a thing. Well, <laughs> it's He's a little bit... He's got the translators like, at the moment. It's a little bit like that, actually. It's normally about four, four emails backwards and forwards before you get the general idea of what they're talking about. But the calendar came through. They just had a big meeting in China. China is an international rally championship, so anyone from anywhere in the world can come and compete there, but you can't score points as a driver. You can score points for your team. So a team will hire us to come over and pay us to come and drive their car because we can score points for that team. So that's basically how it works. So you divide the whole field up, and each team can only have one international driver. So... As soon as you can find out whether you're eligible to do those rounds, you need to let them know to see if you can get a seat over there. And last night we found out that uh, all six rounds of their championship don't clash with our Australian Rally Championship. So if that's the route I go to do the Australian Rally Championship, I'll probably also be competing in China again. So that's quite exciting for me. I really enjoy going over to China and competing in those events. Like It's a totally different experience, but something that um, probably wanting to move on to the world stuff I think China would see you in good stead for going and competing in the world stuff because there's certainly some obstacles thrown at you um, ah, yes. both, <laughs> both in the organisational sense uh, you need to be on top of absolutely everything you do in the car, out of the car and you know, I think that's something that, that you know, it sees you grow as a competitor and, and hopefully that can see me move to where I want to go in the future. Uh, down in uh, Classic Adelaide uh, about a month or so ago, there were some um, beautiful Ferrari 612s down there. I think they're called the Scagaletti. Uh, and there, they one of them was... Um, it was typically written as the Chinese word where you sort of got to read the third word after the first. And yep, sort of, yep. And it, it, I think it translated to Ferrari Tour of China. Yes. And um, there, were, there were these beautiful sort of silver and red coloured Ferrari 612s which um, appeared on the front page of the... Um, the 24th of December Sydney Morning Herald their motoring section there travelling around through the uh, the, 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 the doing a bit of advertising of doing a bit of advertising doing a bit of advertising and the pictures were, were pretty um, were pretty interesting there and that there were no sealed roads and it looked a bit funny with these things and uh, the, the comments were saying that you know d- despite the road conditions it was still leather on the inside Look, that, that's, that's something that um, Linda's certainly delved further into than I have and that's the tarmac rallying um, I've done Target Tasmania and I've done Rally Burnie and Mount Buller and some things like that, but I haven't concentrated on the tarmac stuff. And I think it's, you know, there's still a lot of the World Championship rounds are on tarmac. Mm. And our championship certainly looks as in the Australian Rally Championship as an entity is looking at running a tarmac round. Definitely. It looks like it's going to go that way. I, I oh, don't yeah. know whether it's actually going to be incorporated as part of the Australian Rally Championship so we get... 50% gravel, 50% tarmac, yep. or whether we're actually going to have a tarmac championship. Yep. There's actually enough rounds now. There's five rounds next year. Yeah. They could actually run a, a, a championship in itself just on tarmac, yep. which naturally they're not going to do next year. But I wouldn't be surprised. 2007, and here could we go. Quote game. me on that one. 2007, I reckon we're going to have a tarmac championship. Yeah, Look, I would, at the moment, I think you're right. There's two possibilities. Either we will get some tarmac rounds in our... Mm. championship as it stands at the moment and where they have to drop some rounds is possibility so they might drop a couple of rounds and add a couple of tarmac rounds or we will see two championships running side by side as happens in 
in the island, for example, mm. is a tarmac rally champion and a gravel rally mm. champion. And it's quite possible that that may happen in Australia. And for, for someone like myself who, who's trying to make a living out of, of co-driving and rallying, if there's two championships there, you need to make sure that you know, you're in both of those championships or if one's there and the other one's there, which one do you decide to go into? So, I mean, they're both very legitimate um, very competitive yeah. rounds and series if they become a whole series. So they've rewritten the rules. The tarmac guys are doing everything they can to try and make it a competitive and level playing field for everyone. And if that's the case, well, it's going to be forced to be reckoned with as our normal gravel championship has been. So I think it's something that needs to be looked into. Well, we've got the manufacturers. I mean, you know, off the record here, we've got a few manufacturers that we all know about, well, Dale and I know well, about. Subaru, back, Subaru back certainly said, are, yes, we're going to Subaru is a confirmed one. Porsche is actually behind it. And it has been with Jim Richards, and it will be, because it's a great... I mean, he's done brilliantly with these cars. And really, let's have a look at it. If you want to pick anyone in the Tarmac series at the moment that this guy to beat, it is Jim Richards. I yep. mean, how many times have I come second to the bugger? I'm sick of it. You know, but then again, different car. Well, look, but Ford, we've got Ford have, Ford have made no secret of the fact, you know, I'm pr- probably not telling anyone news here, but Ford have said that they would love a tarmac rally yeah. in the Australian Rally Championship. So if that means if there's a tarmac series, they obviously would look to try and compete in that. Mitsubishi have looked at it yep. and would probably be fools, and I don't think they are. So I'm guessing that they would be looking into seriously looking into whether they run a car in a tarmac series or some events as well mm. to to have the Mitsubishi name out there so that's all of our general protagonists yeah that well are we've in got Toyota rally. I mean we know Toyota will definitely do something look Neil's Neil's a, a tarmac ace so exactly certainly like to think that he's going to be right up there in tarmac and no one could see a reason why he wouldn't no, be no so. but they've done this with Subaru by grabbing Dean and saying right Dean you're going to be our tarmac guy Okay, let's say they've Absolutely. got Cody with, you know, running through layers in the satellite. Yep. Um, we've got Tony, um, Cody as our gravel guy. Mitsubishi have done the same. They've put, you know, they're talking to a couple of people out there. One's a tarmac specialist, one's a gravel specialist. Um, um, Toyota have got Neil, of course. Um, you know, and they've got Simon on the gravel. Whether they swap it around, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what other manufacturers are out there, but there's definitely... The manufacturers are silly if they don't pick up on the Tarmac Championship if it comes to fruition, because it's a great basis for them to sell their cars. They're production cars. The rules have written that they're production cars, basically. It's where where the percentage of their cars are driven is on the Tarmac. Mm. So it's it's a great selling tool, isn't it? It's a lot easier for people to adapt a car to go Tarmac rallying than it is to go gravel rallying also, and... I'm a gravel rally fan and nut. From <laughs> I would I would prefer to be going sideways, nearly side swapping trees than on the tarmac. But you know, tarmac rallying is certainly exciting. And if there's more people, more manufacturers, all that involved, then I'm certainly looking at it. Dale, will we see you at Mount Buller? No, unfortunately. Unfortunately, no. why is that? I had an absolute ball last year. Oh, but you have a clash of an event. My best mate is getting married that weekend, and I'll be best man at his oh, wedding, unfortunately. How good am I? Trust I'm, giving me, up, oh. I'm giving up a girlfriend's engagement yep. party for Mount Buller, yep. and she's already moved her wedding date three times for me because of 
rally dates. I threatened a, a GG galley on, uh, my, <laughs> on, on my best mate's fiance, but they wouldn't move the date. There you so. go. Don't never fear. We we, we we're going to push on with this um, this request to make uh, tarmac rallying a bit more mainstream. Um, Hot Lap is contracted to the Mount Gawler Sprint to build the new website, which we were going to launch before Christmas, but uh, I Still needed to talk to Dar for some advice. <laughs> and, and so that's my excuse, Peter Washington, and it will be sorted out in the next few days. And we'll be there, and we're going to be set. We are, are setting up a radio hot lap there on the mountain. To so be able to from the wedding, I can keep up to date with what's going from on. From the wedding, we'll be calling you, and you'll be on the show, and oh, we'll dear. be checking. Yeah, that'll be good, actually, you. because then you can ring Fair me enough. while I'm in the car. Going up the mountain. Well, so, what, what, what am I going to be ringing from my car to your car? Why just, not? We can have dual carling. Go, what corner are you on, buddy? Uh, I'm just don't ask me. A, don't me. ask me a question where I have to answer with "I do" in case I say it at the wrong time. Oh, that's a point. We'll, we'll check with girl. you on, on, on availability. Uh, but just on the, on the last thing before we we, we we wrap up because it is bath time and I can hear the squeak the squitching of the squitching. I know, and I'm actually I need to go to the bathroom pot. after all those beers. You girl of forty-one kilo bladder. Shut up. Um, but uh, Jimmy might have been on the on the pace, uh, and he always has been he for a while. Is. But he did come up about a fair bit of challenge with, uh, against some of the guys in uh, the Port of the Carrera Cup, specifically Fabian Coulto, who will be joining Paul Morris uh, this year. Now, Paul Morris just in the last few days has required a level one acquisition from Tony Longhurst, oh. so he will be filling two Visa Commodores for two thousand six in the V eight Supercar Championship. Naturally, his one, his Ceramet car. And Ceramet for those Ceramet, who, not Ceramet, but Ceramet well, if you'd I like to know. I've had Terry actually give me. Well, that's right, because you spelled it back. So yeah, and it's beautiful open. wine, Ceramet wines, if you've never had any. I mean, if they sent some here, nice. we could probably they, read that's it right. better. Terry sent me some bottles, but we won't get we will have a, we, will, we already have a wine sponsor in Brayside Wines, and we uh, we would love some more Ceramet wines from, from Ceramet. Ceramet. They're Ceramet absolutely awesome. The second car is going to be be swapped around between Alan Gurr and Fabian Coulthard. I don't think there's a complete budget there to be able to run. A, a, uh, a the level two car, a level two car for those guys, which have a, um, uh, but um, see what happens. Mm, time will tell. Very interesting times between seasons, isn't it? And that's it. Before we sign off, we just got to get a year, uh, last from the year. No more two thousand and five. No more two thousand and five. But we could just could we just quickly recollect what the uh, the the your delight of the Christmas meal was, Dale? Oh yes. Oh Christmas Day. Yeah. What yeah. did you have to eat, mate? Was there any barbecue action? To break tradition, I didn't go out on Christmas Eve this year. I had pneumonia a couple of months back, so couldn't train. Once I got back to December, I was allowed to train again. And Is this training for drinking for going out New Zealand? No, no, no. Just training for rallying and fitness. Oh, okay. So I got into December and got into the training and decided that I probably shouldn't go out Christmas Eve because it was going to break all my hard work. And then got to Christmas Day and just went absolutely stupid with all the meals. And you name it, I ate it. I don't normally eat turkey, not a big fan of it. I reckon four or five. Cooked in the weather? Oh, actually. Any barbecue action? It was really bronzed on the outside, this piece of turkey. And it was delicious. I don't know I don't know how it was cooked, but it was uh, absolutely sensational. What about you, John? I heard you whipped up an amazing feast for the family, running well, around everywhere. Well, not that anyone else would help me, but I, I did go and get the uh, the P-Rons and a couple of small uh, cheap lobsters at the end of uh, Saturday Sunday. Saturday so you've got the Australian sort of tradition of going to seafood lunch for No, Christmas. I've just got the tradition of going and come flying up to Sydney at my expense and paying for a hire car at my expense and staying at my sister's place at my expense and buying all the food for 12 people and cooking it. And so. he's not unhappy about that. He's no, very no, happy I about did, that, as you can I hear. I know that my sister would never listen to this podcast, so <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. All right, I think we're did. getting into family issues here. We'll move um, on. Quite, quite a little bit. Uh, uh, 
pork. You went pork. Pork and uh, and one of the we did easy carb this time. I went oh, no bones, too hard, and it was a really fairly hot day. I just got a nice piece of pork. The crackling came out right, and I did it like a lamb and honey. Yeah, one of those easy carbs. Way to go. Linda, what about you? Well, I did the tra- traditional, you know, baked ham with the the honey glaze. I did that on Christmas Eve just to keep them still quiet. hanging around in tea towels. It, it no, it's in the pillowcase in the oh, fridge, the as you know. You've got to wrap them up in pillowcases or calico, but I go cheap on pillowcases. And then you'll be bringing some to Buller. I will. There'll be enough <laughs> yeah, left. I tell you, because I know I've got a household of teenagers, and they're just tramping through left, right, and centre. So I did that, and then our Christmases, that we all know, I had the week before. So Christmas Day I did absolutely zip. My eldest son actually slept it until after lunch and the first Christmas he's missed. So then I did the actual Christmas dinner on Boxing Day and he had a few of the mates over and everything else, so I did the turkey. But I didn't take JP's advice of putting it in the Weber and that's only because I don't have a Weber or any barbecue at the moment. So I had to use the traditional stick it in the oven. But I must admit, I did a little trick that I read and I wrapped it, like got the turkey and I wrapped it in foil or sort of like made a little casing on it and I poured a a cup of white wine over the turkey and then wrapped it totally in the foil so none of the wine could get out and then baked it for an hour take the top of the the foil off and so then you leave it for another half you know 20 minutes half hour depending on the size of your bird and then let it sort of brown up now doing this it actually keeps all the juices and the flavor in and it was quite amazing like i mean i was actually shocked because i'm not a brilliant turkey cooker and i only do cook turkey once a year and it's I don't know why it's some traditional crap that we all do but we do it in the stinking hot heat of Australia but it was really really nice we actually had some for lunch today on sandwiches and the boys just couldn't believe it they're actually impressed with me because I haven't burnt anything for the last couple of weeks and I'm known for my burnt peas So. But you're more known for your ability to be able to split uh, Brock and Richards at, uh, I... at Tasmania. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, OK? Look at that, that couple Oh, Pete, right? Jim hate me. Oh, they no, they don't. They love me. They're, they're good boys. Well, Dale, thanks very much for making time on a moment's notice to come and join us today. It was certainly my pleasure. No problems at all. Good. I'm uh, glad you enjoyed it and uh, had a couple of buds with us. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the show another time, the, the conversation another time. And uh, I'm sure the viewers will enjoy it. Like, best of luck for 2016. Thank you very yeah, much. Good luck with everything, Dale. And Linda, once again, thank you for um, uh, organising things and taking over as usual. <laughs> they asked me back on the show and they hate me, but they keep asking me, going, come on, you do it. You, shut, you don't shut up. Thanks, viewers, for, for, for listening again to the show. And. Um, please check out uh, RadioHotLap.com and uh, send us a comment there or you can go to Podcast Ellie and cast your vote at Radio Hotlap. Thanks and we'll see you next week back in Adelaide when JP and I get together on the Wednesday night and he gives us a bit of appraisal of the Brayside wine that was delivered while I was away and he's drunk myself. Oh, I might be there for that one. I just like to wish everybody a Happy New Year. Absolutely. Happy New Year and thanks for listening and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. See ya. See ya. See ya.